Hello everyone and welcome to The Kate Show. Today I have a special guest on the show and I am so excited to introduce you to her. So let me just give you a little bit of background into who she is, what she's doing, and why every interior designer and home stager and anyone who has considered offering their services virtually need to listen up. Alright guys, here it is. After creating a comfortable, stylish, and functional home for three in a New York City Hell's Kitchen studio apartment, our special guest today, by the name of Albie, or known as Albie Knows, made the transition from retail visual merchandising to interior styling and design. Her passion for decoding spaces is the culmination of nearly a decade of retail visual merchandising and freelance marketing. Using her experience of space design and storytelling, she launched a concierge shopping and online interior design service, in addition to a curated bi-monthly home decor subscription box. Now guys, as if that wasn't enough, she's also got a few other things going on. Albie has also created and launched the eDesign Experience. Now, the eDesign Experience was born out of a need for online designers to have a place and support group a place to learn, a place to make connections. This passion project is now an online community and collaborative space for online interior designers to elevate their brand and transcend the traditional design narrative with the inaugural conference of the eDesign Experience slated for mid-June 2018. So as we dive into the interview today, Albie is going to tell us all about the eDesign Experience and how you can register for it. All right, guys, without further ado, let's dive into the interview. Welcome to The Kate Show, a weekly marketing podcast for interior designers and home stagers. Hosted by author, entrepreneur, and marketing consultant, Kate the Socialite. Each week, you'll learn helpful tips on how to make social media easier, how to grow your mailing list, and how to simplify every area of marketing and advertising your business. With her blunt, no-fluff approach, Kate stands up for business owners who want real results in their marketing, but have limited time or resources. And now, please welcome your host, Kate the Socialite. Hey everyone, thanks so much for tuning into The Kate Show. Today I have got a special lady here with me, and I just want to say welcome to The Kate Show, Albie. Hi, everyone, and thank you for having me, Kate. Oh, I am so glad you're here. So to everyone listening, Albie has so much going on, and I know you guys <laughs> heard in her introduction, but I mean, seriously, lady, I don't know how you have time to sleep. Whoa. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because you've got a little girl as well, don't you? Yes, she just yeah. turned three last week. Oh, my goodness. So can you tell us a little bit about your your work life, your family life, just to give our listeners some context about where you're at in this great big universe? Um, well, I am, whew, I, first and foremost, I am super blessed and fortunate to have a husband that is extremely patient and very supportive. Um, so it is just the three of us, um, and it helps that I do everything online. So I am an online designer. I go to school online. So my entire life pretty much exists in the digital space um, while my husband's out there in the real, real world, so to speak. And we have our little girl. And it's just really, um, it's a juggling act that sometimes gets very, very 
overwhelming, but I have definitely learned from lots of failures to just give myself grace and kind of just know when to pull back and pare things down. And again, that was like really a huge catalyst from the very beginning as to why I decided to essentially do everything in my life online from my business to going to school and just kind of really working around our lifestyle. My husband works for the state of Washington and he's also, um, well now national guard. So in the army. So obviously that was something that, you know, I had to contend with, but, um, it's just been a continuing juggling act. Sometimes I put things on pause and sometimes I have 10 things in the fire. So, but right now my focus has really been on just growing, um, my design business, um, in the B2C sense and now kind of dabbling in the B2B. I love that. And I want to point out that you said you gave yourself the grace to kind of scale back when you need to. Yes. Have you found that you, you can't really have a, how I want to say this, a set schedule from like month to month because I mean, as you know, running a business is, it's kind of like wrangling and herding cats, you know, yeah. it's like, <laughs> yes. They go in different directions and then you have all the other components of your life that are changing. And I know for me, giving myself that grace to step back and be like, okay, you've done enough for one day is something I've been working on and, and it's hard, you know, it's hard to cut yourself some slack, but I just want to say kudos to you for doing that. Well, absolutely. And I mean, it is something that was hard, you know, especially going you know from being you know just me and then so you being a mom and a wife and I have um, probably most of us have a perfectionist syndrome I love to be in control and then I realized I can't <laughs> be in control mm. so it was either give myself permission to take a day off take a few hours off or fall apart um, and mm-hmm. I didn't start working for myself to continue to burn out. So it was kind of, if I'm not going to give myself, you know, that grace, then I might as well just go back and work for someone else. And so my, I tried to, you know, schedule and things like that. And then I realized it's not going to work out that way. And that's okay. No one's really going to know but me. Oh, so, mm, so that, that's okay. Yeah. So before you started working for yourself, you did a lot of other things that weren't necessarily related to interior design. And one thing that I'm really curious about is how you were able to just kind of like redo or redecorate your New York City apartment and how that kind of led you to where you are today. Can you tell us a little about that? Yeah, absolutely. So at the time that, um, so I lived in a studio apartment in Hell's Kitchen. And so Yes, it's New York City, Hell's Kitchen, so everything is basically the size of a shoebox. But I will say that for New York City standards, I had a pretty large studio. But a studio is a studio nonetheless. Mm -hmm. And um, so when I moved in, it was, you know, just for me. And at the time, I was working in visual merchandising, so always kind of rearranging retail spaces and boutiques and turning little teeny tiny shops into like these full storytelling spaces. So that's just kind of something um, that I've kind of just always enjoyed doing, moving things around. Um, Fast forward, when I met my now husband, 
we decided to stay in my studio because we knew we were going to be leaving New York. We knew the military was likely to send us just about anywhere. So it made no sense to kind of go hunt down anything bigger. But it went from being this essentially bachelorette pad (laughs) to now a place for two and then a place for three. And so it really kind of came down to just a lot of creative storage solutions. So we opted for a really small um, love seat. That's what served as our sofa. And that was only because we were having a daughter. So we knew people were going to be coming over and they needed a place to sit. But prior to that, I just had bar stools at our breakfast bar. Um, our quote unquote coffee table was actually a storage ottoman, which is where like all my books and swatches and things like that live. Um, I looked into using console tables for my desk that could sit right under the window. So it was kind of really getting creative and then using all of the vertical space because this was in Manhattan. It, um, all the floors were really high. So that was a positive. So that made room for lots of shelves and, you know, while it was a rental, I did have some flexibility. So I w- we were able to paint and kind of like zone off areas because we had a really large living space. So it was really just about getting creative on one hand, but on, on the other hand, really being intentional about what we needed. And I'm thankful for that to this day because we don't buy a lot because I, we got so used to kind of accommodating this space. Mm-hmm. If there is not an immediate need for it in maybe two or three different ways, we don't buy it or we're getting rid of something else. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of really being intentional and really being creative. And so we, the three of us were in there for well over a year before um, end up moving across the country to where we are now. But yeah, it was really just about knowing exactly what we needed and then getting creative to make those things work. So your kind of minimalistic approach and your very purposeful approach, mm-hmm. I would guess, is exactly what makes you such a good designer. Yes. And to be fair, I'm not a minimalist. I will never pretend to be. We love our shoes and we love our tech. <laughs> Both my husband and I are, we ha- between the two of us, we got rid of dozens of shoes moving across the country um we both love our shoes and sneakers and we both love our gadgets so not minimalist by any stretch of the imagination but again it was about really being intentional mm-hmm. and yes um you're right you know that a lot of that is what i brought into when i made that transition from merchandising to you know doing residential design really being conscious of what do you need the space to do? Not just what's pretty. How is this really going to function and fit your lifestyle? Because there were a lot of things. I was like, oh, that's pretty. I want that. I want that. And then it was like, but wait, does it make sense? Will my daughter run into it? Are we really going to use it? And just kind of really making those intentional um, decisions, which a little bit of it came from merchandising as well, because in retail, I didn't have much control over where cash registers were and where windows were. So I, I, I was always conditioned to have to really be mindful of the other things and not just what was pretty. Mm-hmm. And I know that so many designers listening agree wholeheartedly with that. And I think that one of the biggest frustrations that designers have, at least what they've expressed to me, is when a homeowner has this Pinterest board or this house idea book full of pretty things, 
and they're like, I want this. But then the designer is like, well, here's what you need and help me, I'll help you figure out what you do actually want. Because I think it's so easy for people to just fall in love with, you know, those white on white kitchens with the beautiful subway tile. And it's like, wait a minute, does that fit their life? Does that fit what they truly <laughs> want? You know, so that's why I think you guys actually have a really hard job. Yeah, it's um, because again, not to say ditch your vision and sacrifice everything. You know, I still have pretty things. Um, even now we're in a bigger space. I'm still very curated in what we bring in here. I'm still very mindful of my daughter, who's a very active toddler. So it's, it's not to say, you know, you sacrifice, but it's about being realistic. And sometimes we have to come in with the tough love and go, you can have a beautiful kitchen. Um, and you know what? Maybe it can't even be white on white, but it probably can't be marble. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna have to maybe go with something a little bit more child friendly you know um yeah. you just have to kind of show up with that tough love and I know just coming from that place of one always being a renter two really having to make it work um I know at least for me, my clients respond a little bit better to my tough love because I'm not just showing up from a place of I know best. No, literally, I've lived this way. So I, I, know, I know what I'm saying. <laughs> so when you were living in this apartment and you had a, kind of adopted this very purposeful and driven decision-making process, how did you transition from what you were doing in merchandising to full out being an interior designer? Uh, well, for starters, like I said, I always loved playing with spaces. Growing up in a very um, traditional household, however, I never knew interior design was a thing. Even merchandising, I didn't know was a thing, <laughs> to be honest. Um, it, it took a lot of uh, explaining to my mom exactly what I did. <laughs> I, went, I went to school for architecture, which my parents understood very well, um, and then changed majors to marketing graduated my marketing degree and then went into merchandising. So they were just like, what, what are you doing? What's happening here? <laughs> um, but I had always loved playing with the spaces, moving things around. At the time that I made the transition, a few different things were happening in my life. I was getting burned out from work. So I knew I needed a change of pace. I was working 60 to 70 hour weeks sometimes um, for, because I, I was working for pretty big brands and they had demanding projects, which were fun. But I mean, after a while, your body will tell you to maybe take a step back. And I ended up working at one point for one brand that had a little bit more um, interiors influence in terms of the settings that we were doing. So that was my first taste of really, really storytelling with the home space. Um, but I got to that point where I felt burnt out. I needed a change of pace. And then I found out I was expecting, so really needed to slow down. And in that same vein, I also needed to now take this apartment for two people who were dating newlyweds to now two parents. So in just kind of really navigating that space, I ended up transitioning into working for a furniture showroom, which really showed me that this thing that I was doing in my apartment is a career. Like it is an actual job that people get paid to do to like make a space make sense in a home, not just in a store. Mm -hmm. And so that was when I kind of had, you know, that light bulb, like, I think 
this is where I was heading this whole time. And it almost kind of came back full circle to my very first major of architecture. And I, um, I enrolled in some interior design classes and architecture classes just to kind of really make sure it wasn't the hormones talking. And <laughs> because, I mean, to be honest, you know, during a pregnancy, things get a little wonky. <laughs> and so I've heard. <laughs> yeah. And so I wanted to make sure it wasn't just, you know, emotions and hormones and really working in the furniture showroom working with people in their spaces that's when I felt the most lit up out of all the many merchandising jobs I'd ever had and so that's when I decided this is what I am going to do and so after having my daughter being home on maternity leave I started to dabble a bit more and then fast forward I made the full transition completely out of retail into doing interior design. I love that your story comes full circle because I think a lot of people get frustrated when they're like, I went to college and got a degree and now I'm not using the degree. But when you can look back on your life and see how every piece of education, every moment of experience all culminated in what you're doing right now. I mean, when you had that light bulb moment, how, how did that feel? Um, it felt like a weight had been lifted and you nailed it. And it really felt like it was a culmination of like a decade of figuring it out mm. because I had always said when I got into merchandising, I was still using my marketing degree because we're dealing with signage and sales and all these jazz, all that jazz. And so I had always said, I'm still making use of my degree, really just kind of convincing myself I didn't waste four years. <laughs> And I was still making use of what I learned in architecture because we're dealing with all these buildings. So I, I'd always been rationalizing it to myself, really just so I didn't feel like I let myself down on my parents' down. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. But getting to that point where I had that aha moment was kind of really when I said, no, I really have been working towards this because I, I, I'm now getting my master's in interior architecture and design. But prior to that, everything I know about interiors is self-taught, but not really. Like, it really came from everything I had learned up until that point, even though it wasn't labeled as I went to school for interior design. I wouldn't know how to look at spaces and kind of really deal with flow and function and all those things if I didn't have, you know, that experience with marketing, that experience with merchandising, that experience with pregnancy, and just kind of really getting to that point. So that light bulb moment, it was like, I didn't fail, essentially, you know, it was a weight lifted off my shoulders. And I really felt like, huh, this is what I've been working towards. Now I can keep going. Mm, absolutely. And I mean, those are the ingredients of a true professional in any industry. When you've got the mix of the passion, the perseverance and the intention. So I have to just ask one other question here. And it's shifting topics a little bit, but it's just been like on my mind ever since I was prepping for this interview. So I'm super <laughs> okay. curious. Okay. Can you tell us about your bi-monthly home decor to subscription box? Because like, I'm a huge fan of subscription anything. It's <laughs> a genius business model in my opinion. So when did that come into play and what exactly is it? So that came into play after we moved. Um, so we moved cross country. I'm New York City, born and raised. I had never been to the West Coast up until moving, to be honest. And so just for your listeners, uh, I am in Washington State. 
Um, so literally moved from coast to coast. Crazy. And I mean, it was, it was an adventure. <laughs> that is for sure. But I mean, they could have shipped us overseas. So I'll take it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so settling in, at that point, um, I was full into my e-design business. So that like didn't really uh, shake up anything in terms of like having to like change clientele. I had Wi-Fi, so I was good. But I still felt like I was a little bit lost and I was still finding myself. And so I sat down at my desk and I said, well, what really do, let, let me be honest with myself. What do I really love, love to do? Part of the interior design process. And part of it was, I love shopping. And at that point, moving, I was doing a lot of shopping for myself. And I know a lot of people who think they like shopping, but don't really like shopping in terms of like the research and the comparison and all that jazz. And I remember thinking to myself, man, I wish there was a way I could like shop for people on a regular basis kind of thing. Like, I was constantly like sending my friends links to, oh, look at this pretty thing I just found. And my friends aren't going to buy every single thing I find in the world. I just needed someone to share it with. Mm -hmm. And I started kind of like doing some research. Man, I wish this was a thing. And I was talking to a good friend of mine and they were like, well, I know there's like things where they send people hair products every month or beauty products every month send people decor every month like that's not a thing turns out it was (laughs) (laughs) and so after doing like a lot of research I decided to launch this and initially the intention was as a gateway into people's homes because at that time I was still um, building my clientele because I had just stopped working for third-party e-design companies so I was really at that point like oh I need clients on my own and so I figured this was, this was a great way to get in the door. I eventually ended up flipping up that model on its head and saying it needs to be a little bit more targeted. Um, but initially it was just, I love to shop. People love pretty things. Like, I don't know anyone who can go into Home Goods or Target and resist picking up a vase they had no intention of getting. Oh, yes. <laughs> and so I, I did some shopping. And I mean, I know many people may not recommend this model. I probably wouldn't recommend it. But I purchased my entire year's inventory up front. And like, I worked with a few wholesalers and retailers, got the entire year's inventory up front. So I, it was a finite number of subscribers that I could get. And I was like, let's just see what happens. Best case scenario, we sell out. Yay. People like the thing. Worst case scenario, I have Christmas gifts and housewarming gifts to last me the year. So it was just, it was just a way for me to get in people's homes. I made it bi-monthly because I didn't want to bombard them with things. I still wanted people to live with things for a little bit because I do believe in that intentional um, kind of curated living. So I wanted people to have time to live with things, decide if they love it, if it's for them or if they're going to re-gift it. And it, I, right now it's currently waitlisted, but we sold out that first year. So we had a really great first year. And just kind of gave me a little bit of more insights, um, which is currently why I waitlisted it and I flipped the model on its head, just a little bit more targeted for like specifically clients kind of thing. But yeah, that's where it started. Just my love of shopping, wanting to get clients and get more eyeballs on me. Because at the time I had two separate Instagrams. My personal slash business Instagram was like at 
going nowhere, the subscription box Instagram was growing. <laughs> so I said, okay, people don't care about my designing right now. That's fine. <laughs> but they care that I'm shopping. So I just kind of went full throttle with that as another arm in my business. There's so much I love about that story. I mean, oh my <laughs> gosh. So I've got to point out a few things here because again, I want my listeners to- Yes, yes. <laughs> like if they can kind of model what they're doing as far as how they make decisions after what you are doing, just because it just, it makes too much sense, Albie. It just does. I, I don't know if you worked with a business coach or <laughs> one of those people who was just born with business sense, but- I, I don't think I have that- like innate business sense, I just have a really awesome circle of friends, to be honest. I'm the youngest of all of, well, maybe the exception of one, but I'm the youngest of all of my friends. I'm the, I've always been the youngest in school. I skipped a grade, so I don't know anyone really younger than me. Mm -hmm. So I think that also helps. They've made mistakes, so they've always been like mentoring me in some way. So, and I, so I think that's where it comes from. Well, I wish I could remember who said this, but there is a very popular quote out there right now that says you are the average of the four or five people you spend most of your time with. And I can see how that would totally make sense, especially in your situation. And the thing that I really love about that story about why you started the subscription box is you took time to intentionally sit down and ask yourself, what do I really love? And then you found a way to basically profit from that passion yet again. And so many business owners, whether they are in the home industry or some other industry entirely, what I have seen just from my clients and my colleagues is that we put ourselves in a box. And I don't mean the subscription box. We, we <laughs> tend to like do one thing. We say, okay, I am going to be an XYZ. And then after a few years, they get frustrated, but they keep working at it and they don't change and they never take that time to stop and check in with themselves. Like, is this still aligned with my heart? Is this still where I am meant to be? And, and what, that's what the really crossroads. Mm -hmm. that, and I think part of it was because I moved. I figured it's a fresh start. Yeah. No one knows me here. <laughs> so, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> exactly. I, I cut my hair. I got my nose pierced. I mean, those were things I wanted to do, but I figured there's no time like now mm, yeah both my husband and I are east coast people we have moved across the country there's nothing you can't do and I've been battling to your point with being a quote-unquote traditional designer ever since I had decided to make the shift and I was failing at it essentially and didn't feel good and I thought that it didn't feel good because I was failing <laughs> but part of it was because I wasn't doing it my way. Mm. So even just saying, I love shopping and that is okay. <laughs> yeah. That was something I had, I had to do it because otherwise I probably would have still been banging my head up against the wall, trying to secure clients that I didn't really like and <laughs> trying to do work that I didn't really like. And it was like, no, I have to be honest with myself. I'm a shopaholic. I, I enjoy every bit of browsing. I can go down a rabbit hole for six hours happily of comparing items online, in person, wherever. And that's okay. Someone has to do it. So it, I, it was something that I knew I had to be honest with myself about. Or I was never going to go anywhere. Yeah, and I love that. And I like that you can very freely say, you just had a problem with traditional interior design. 
And I know you're not the only one out there who has that problem. And I am so glad that you had the, the foresight to say, wait a minute, I'm not the problem here. Like you weren't, you were not failing, but for some reason that model and you just weren't driving and there's like nothing wrong with that. So can you explain then how this evolved into what you have recently founded the e-design experience? Um, yes. So again, early on, I thought I was supposed to do design a certain way. I was supposed to be in people's homes. I was supposed to do this. I was supposed to do that. My lifestyle didn't accommodate that. So very early on, I knew I wanted to do this online and like many other things. I was like, is this a thing? Man, I wish this was a, there was a way I could do this. And again, going back to my friends at the time, I was helping a friend of mine redo their home via text because I just had my daughter. And even though we both lived in New York, they didn't want to drive into Manhattan and I wasn't leaving my house. So <laughs> I was just kind of like texting with them, helping them. We'd FaceTime. And he said to me, well, do it this way. And I was like, people don't design this way. He was like, people do everything else this way. <laughs> and so I did some research. That's how I found the third-party companies. I was like, oh, this is a thing, remote interior design. That's what I searched for on Indeed. Um, I said, well, remote interior design. Let's see what comes up. And so I knew very on, I definitely want to do this online. And again, making the move was when I really said, no, that is okay. I can own this. I need to stop trying to secure in-person clients. I need to stop thinking I need to be doing it this way and offering this thing. And so that's when I really leaned into it full throttle. I'm like, I'm exclusively going to be doing this online. I don't want to do it any other way. I'm extremely introverted. I could, I could do without being around people all the time. And so between that and the box, and again, I go to school online. So I became very comfortable in the digital space. And so as I continue to grow, again, I continue to do my own research, really following a lot of other online entrepreneurs outside of the design industry, because they've obviously excelled at it um, in a whole other field. So to me, it made just the most sense to follow, um, to learn from them. And as, doing, as I was doing that and continuing to kind of find my own way, what I was noticing within the design communities that I was in was that there were e-designers, there were some conversation around e-design, but it was a lot of confusing information, misinformation, um, oftentimes very little support, um, or just kind of really like a negative, kind of like just poo-pooing all over e-design essentially. And, which started to take me back to feeling like, oh, am I doing the wrong thing? Uh, but then I would meet designers like myself who either do it exclusively or it's a part of their business and they're fine. So I was like, okay, it's not me. Maybe it's just the culture of our industry. And so I attended my very first, so I had this idea, let me back up. And I was like, man, I wish there was just a place where we can kind of just feel safe, essentially. Um, but I wrote it down, I dropped it on a Trello board and never kind of really gave it a second thought. And I attended my very first high point, um, this past spring high point. So last month, and I was part of a panel speaking on the business of e-design and it was myself and six other designers 
who are all different business models, but all have e-design as part of our business models. And the turnout had give or take about 200 designers. And that told me, okay, someone's interested in this, whether they're doing it or want to do it, wherever they fall, there is an interest. There is, you know, a, a need for this kind of conversation or education or just support. And I ended up saying it not on the panel, but to just a few people out loud. Hey, I've always had this idea of doing this thing. And I got home. I told my in-laws, I told my husband, and I told my mom that I said this out loud. And those are three different sets of people that don't typically agree on things. (laughs) And yet they were all like, then do it. You put it into the universe. You said it out loud. You have nothing to lose. Just do it. Um, and so that's how the e-design experience was born. Um, on the one hand, as like just kind of this online space just to learn and support one another because I, I feel like while I'm thankful for the journey that got me here, that was about a year of just a lot of self-doubt and confusion that maybe could have been avoided if there was just at least one person that said it was okay. And so that's the online community piece of things. And then the conference piece of things was really, there's a niche conference for, I want to say a lot of design niches Mm -hmm. yet nothing really to support or talk about e-design um which is a growing part of our industry and so i figured why not start now there's no time like the present and so here we are the e-design experience um our community and our conference yeah i love that i love that it just it organically became this thing that now has a life of its own. And I want to make sure everybody knows exactly how they can register for the e-design experience. And before we do that, we're going to jump to a quick ad and come right back. Do you struggle with social media or email marketing? Socialite can help with email newsletters and social media posts that you can customize and use in minutes. Marketing your design or home staging firm has never been easier, faster, or more affordable. Visit katethesocialite.com to access free and premium marketing help for your business today. All right, so we are back. And guys, I hope that you've really enjoyed hearing Albie's story. She has come up with so many amazing and very intentional moves in her business that have now led to the e-design experience, which is going to help so many interior designers and people who are considering becoming virtual interior designers. So Albie, can you tell us what exactly is happening in mid-June of this year, 2018, and how can people register for it? Um, yeah, absolutely. So it is the launch of our um, virtual conference. So it'll be the third weekend of June. And I just want to say, I didn't realize it was Father's Day. So, <laughs> so sorry about that. <laughs> um, but again, when I put this out there, you know, the intention was for it to be next year in person. 
But I figured we're online entrepreneurs. Let's kick this off online. So this year it is going to be an online conference, but really still um, mirroring an in-person experience. So it is two days. Each day is about five hours of really intentionally getting something done. Not just kind of like that passive, you register for something, maybe visit your inbox and check on it three weeks later. So it will be um, a series of masterclasses and talks and co-working sessions to really get something done. And it is, you don't have to be like me, um, an exclusive e-designer. It is for anyone wanting to add e-design to their business, already doing e-design, um, wherever you are in that, you know, kind of designpreneur journey. It is divided into three separate tracks because I, if you can't tell by now, I am very big on being intentional and clear about where you're going. And the last thing I wanted was to add to the noise and you're just learning 800 things and maybe you only need four of them. Mm-hmm. So you, you would self-select your track depending on where you are on your journey. So whether that's just interested in e-design, already doing it, but need to kind of refine your design and entrepreneur place and or the third track that you are good where you are your profits are happy your pipeline is happy and you're just trying to up level a bit more and each track has the master classes and the co-working sessions it is happening like i said the june 16th and 17th the website is the edesignexperience.com exactly has as it sounds, lots of ease, but it is exactly how it sounds, the edesignexperience.com. Right now we are doing advanced ticket sales. So with that, you would get not only access to the conference, but also exclusive access to our Facebook membership group, which is where we'll be doing live Q&As with some of our experts, tutorials, just kind of really ongoing learning ongoing support and ongoing conversation because like I said this was born out of just really wanting to support so that 365 conversation but that two-day conference um, I really want people to just kind of be inspired to get something anything done in their business within those two days um, as opposed to kind of passively putting it behind us because I think um, especially as online entrepreneurs We've gotten conditioned to just take information in, put it in a folder somewhere, take more information, and kind of that rinse and repeat. Yes. So, yeah. Once you go on the site, there's a link to grab your seat um, to get the advanced tickets. You would use the code DESIGNPRENEUR. That gets you the advanced ticket pricing. As of June 1st, the pricing goes up. Seats are limited because we didn't want to just have it open. Um, I wanted to make sure it was intimate enough so people felt comfortable to collaborate and just chat. So there are limited seats for each one of the tracks. But yeah, it should be fun. It's it's an experiment. Maybe it should have been called the e-design experiment. It's a bit of an experiment. <laughs> but I'm excited. We have yes. some really great speakers on board. May I, may I name one of them? Oh, yeah. Feel free. You should let us know everyone. You? Yeah, okay. So I will. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, hint, she's the host of this show. (laughs) Um, we have some really great speakers on board. I'm teaching different masterclasses, everything from the e-design business model to affiliate marketing one-on-one. 
Um, like, so really running the gamut of, I have no idea what I'm doing to, I want to do something bigger and better. So it's a very tailored uh, curriculum, depending on where you are in your business. Um, people from the design industry, people outside of the design industry. And, but the part I'm most excited about are the co-working sessions so that you're not just leaving and doing nothing. Mm. You're going to get something done each day if you choose to. Um, so it's like your CEO weekend to really at least get one thing done. If it's that email sequence you've been putting off, that blog you've been putting off, whatever it is, hopefully you will get it done with a few of your peers and feel amazing afterwards. Yes. And I love that you have that intention behind it because you're right. There's a lot of us, myself included, who have signed up for a course or a webinar and we've taken lots and lots of notes, but then those notes just go in a stack somewhere like on a desk in a filing cabinet and mm -hmm. we never take action. So I like that this is for action takers yes. and you're doing what we people here in Wisconsin would say, get her done. That's yeah. <laughs> And that, that's um, uh, my co-organizer. That's what she said out loud. She was like, we're going to make them get her done. Yep. <laughs> and, and that's really what it is. Because even when it's an in-person conference, we're absorbing so much. It's almost like sensory overload. Mm -hmm. And then we get home, life kicks in. We're back to work. We're calling sitters. We're making dinner, whatever it is that's happening. So even the most well-intentioned entrepreneur, just life gets in the way. So in this way, even if it's just for two days, at least you can say in that weekend, I did this one piece of the puzzle of my, you know, designpreneur journey that kind of just can get me to the next step and the next step. And then if, with the advanced ticket in the group, the group will hopefully just kind of keep you activated in that way where you're doing more and more until you get to where you hopefully want to be. Mm, yes. So I am, I'm super stoked for this and I'm honored to be one of the speakers. Could you tell us some of the other speakers? Because I have a feeling a lot of my listeners will know some of the people you have speaking. Oh, yes, absolutely. So some of the other speakers, I'll name the ones that are probably in the design industry because maybe they're probably um, easier to say, aha, I know her, <laughs> um, are Chaney Widmer of um, Mix and Match Designs. Um, we have Veronica Solomon of Casa Valora. We will be having Rachel and Dixie of the Design and Style podcast. Um, let me see if I can name anyone that's not in the design world that maybe is still kind of a, I think I know who that person mm -hmm. um, is. Uh, oh, uh, oh my gosh. I really hope um, I um, say this name right. You know what? I won't even butcher it. Stephanie Owens mm -hmm. <laughs> um, of Ms. Paper Moon will also be speaking. And um, so those are just a few of the designers. And then we reached out to some branding um, experts who are outside of design, but they've built brands outside of their own industries to kind of speak on more holistic topics, to speak on our panels, some design influencers. So I, I think it'll be a really well-rounded assortment of folks. 
Yeah, completely. You've got the full gamut here. So all my listeners, I've got the links and the coupon code in the description of this episode. And I've also got it on my podcast section of my website. So make sure you go register at the eDesignExperience.com because this is a big deal, guys. This could change your business. This could totally revolutionize the way you think about eDesign and the way you deliver it to your clients. So Albie, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Oh no, thank you for having me. This was this was fun. <laughs> this yeah. was a lot of fun. I don't always get to tell my whole story in one sitting. And sometimes you forget like what you've gone through. So it's always nice to rehash it. <laughs> yeah, I think it instills some confidence too. It's like, oh dang, like I did a lot. Wow. Yeah. It's like huh. keep on going. <laughs> yeah. I did come pretty far. <laughs> yeah. So this is awesome. And what an inspiring story. So guys, that's it for today's episode. Be sure to go register for the eDesign experience and we'll see you on the inside. Bye everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Kate Show. Please hit the subscribe button and share this episode with a business bestie who needs to grow her interior design or home staging firm. To inquire about our products and services, please visit us at katethesocialite.com. Until next time, keep your marketing simple and your message clear.